Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we're going to continue our discussion about sin and its effects on the human race by discussing that sin is personal. You say, well, of course, when somebody sins against me, it, it's personal. It becomes personal. Except more so, our definition of personal sin is that that is the act of carrying out a sinful act or omission. You do it. It's not just something that you inherited. It is also very personal. You participate in it. You absolutely participate in it. This occurs when one does something that he should not do. So when we do something that we should not do, that is sin. And every person I've ever talked to about sin has admitted that they have done something that they should not do according to the rules or regulations of God. And so we all know that because we all understand that we are not perfect. We're, we're acutely aware of that. And that it means that we personally are participating. It also occurs when one does not do something that he should do. So if we were to go to the book of James, chapter 4, down in verse 17, it says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him... It is sin. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, when the priest and the Levite both passed by the Samaritan on the other side of the road, not wanting to get dirty with the situation, or passed by the, the, the Jewish man, the Samaritan, not the Samaritan, on the other side of the road, they sinned. Because they knew the right thing to do would be to help this poor man who was beaten and left for dead. That's the right thing to do. But instead, they walked through on the other side. So when we know the right thing to do and we do something else, it's sin. And when we don't do the thing that we know that we should do, that's also a personal sin. We call them sins of commission, where I commit a sin, and sins of omission, where I omit something that I should do. So if I know and I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to go talk to somebody about Christ, and I don't do it, or to pray for someone, and I don't do it, that is sin as well, as much as when I do the things that I know I should not do. And so we can sin on both sides of that. It also occurs when one thinks something sinful. So the sin is not just an action or an inaction. It can also be thoughts. So if, if a, uh, a good-looking woman walks by and I not only notice that she is a beautiful woman, that's okay, but then when I continue those thoughts and those thoughts become lustful, that's in. I didn't do anything on the outside. I didn't uh, omit something I should have done uh, other than running away or looking away. And so then when I continue the thoughts that are sinful, that's sin. Or when I 
think in my heart, you know, somebody has has done something transgressed against me and some they've done something wrong against me and now I harbor bitterness and hatred in my heart, that is sin. It is sin to to do those thoughts. Um so the remedy, what's the remedy for personal sin? Well, it's twofold. First of all, trusting in Jesus Christ for our salvation. First and foremost, the remedy for sin is salvation. It's applying the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to your life personally. And then second of all, appropriating the forgiveness that has been received through salvation. So as we continue in those, uh, well, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess our sins, God will forgive. Verse 10, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And so that needs to be applied again and again, because we do sin again and again. And it needs to affect then our relationship with God, and not, not our, um, it'd be our fellowship with God, not our relationship with God, excuse me. And so, our relationship needs to be settled first, and then our we need to continue walking with God and keeping short accounts of our sin in receiving that forgiveness that he has given to us. So what is our relationship or our relation to personal sin? Well, the source of the sin of the personal sin before it becomes sin, is our temptations. So where do our temptations come from? Well, the three ways where our temptations come from. They can come from the world, they can come from the flesh, and they can come from the devil. So the world is the sinful uh, system, the sinful people around us that um, coerce us at times to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing, or even to not do the right thing, um, or to think the wrong things. And so the world has this influence upon us to do the wrong thing or to sin. The flesh, also we've talked about a lot, this is our sinful nature. And so because of the fact that we have a sinful nature, we are tempted to do things that are sinful. We are tempted to not do things that are righteous that we should do. We are tempted to think thoughts that are not pure, um, honorable, according to the standards of God. We, we are tempted to do these things because of the flesh and because of our weakness in the flesh. So we're tempted through the world, through others around us that tempt us to sin. We're um, tempted through our own flesh, which tempts us to sin. And we're also tempted by the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He tries to sin, to get us to sin. And he doesn't always do this personally. Sometimes he uses uh, his cohorts, the others who had followed him in his rebellion. We sometimes call those demons. Um, but it's not always. I mean, you can't say Satan caused me to sin. Satan made me sin. Well, the devil did not make you do it. You did it on your own. He may cause a temptation, but when we dwell upon that temptation, or we act upon that temptation, or we inact on something that we should do because of a temptation, then we create it to be sin. He brings temptation we then act upon or inact upon or think upon those temptations and create the sin. So that's where our temptations come from. And the results of the Christian's temptation as we act upon them are sinful. And what are the results of our sin? What does that produce in us? Well, first and foremost, it produces death. Death in two forms. One is physical death. The reason that we physically die is because of sin. It all started out right in Genesis chapter 3. If Adam and Eve had never eaten of that tree, but instead had eaten of the tree of life, which God had said, hey, this is amazing, you can eat of it, they would have lived forever and we would be with them as well. However, we physically die because of that. There's also a spiritual separation from God, which we call death as well. It grieves God. Our sin grieves God in Ephesians 4.30. And because of that, we are separated from God. Now, it's again, the, the remedy for it is trusting in Christ for your salvation. And we've already talked about that that doesn't have to be done time and time and time and time and time again. That is a one-time thing. Salvation is a work of God in our heart, and he keeps us saved. But we must do that. We must come to him instead of trying to fix things ourselves. That's impossible because we, again, are tainted and, and such. So our sin grieves God. And it, our sin, even after our salvation, grieves God, and we need to restore that fellowship with God on a regular basis. Our sin also brings shame. Romans chapter 6 and uh, verse 21. Romans chapter 6. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. What are those things? Those things are sin. Remember, the outcome of sin is death. And what else does it prove? Or what does it produce? Shame. We're now ashamed of the things that we have done in the past that are sinful, the things that you may be doing in the present that are sinful, even the things you may be planning to do in the future that are sinful. You're ashamed. You don't normally just brag about it when you're a Christian. Why? Because you're it brings shame. It brings restlessness. If we go to Psalm chapter 
38 and verse 3, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. It can even produce physical sickness. But you, the first part is, there's, I can't even sleep. I can't, I can't be at peace because I have no peace with God if I am in living in sin. I, I can't sleep. I can't, um, I just, I, it's, I'm restless. That also can bring physical illness. We see this again in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 30, where those who were inappropriately um, sinning against the communion, um, use of communion, and they were instead making it a drunken fest, that they, some of them were even sick because of it, and some even had physically died because of their sin. And so sin can bring physical death, it can bring illness, um, it grieves God, it brings restlessness, it brings shame. What are some of the reasons that the Christian should not sin? Now, this should be an obvious thing, right? This should be, duh, because of those things that we just said. It brings shame, it, it brings restlessness, it brings sickness, it brings death, it grieves God, so we shouldn't do it. Also, because we have the Word of God. We have the, the, the directions, the standards of God, and so we are without excuse when we sin. God has given us his standards. Secondly, even more so than all of the rest of those things, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as a believer in him, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. And because you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you, that's the reason you shouldn't sin. You have now the ability to overcome the fleshly nature, the sin nature. You now have no reason to follow that because God has given you the ability and the option to not sin. And then lastly, because we are justified by Christ who now intercedes for us. We read a little bit of that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, that if we sin, we have someone who intercedes for us, who is Jesus Christ. Um, you can also see it in Hebrews 7, 25 and John 17 in the chapter of, of that. Um, so because we are justified by Christ, do we, do we continue in sin? The Apostle Paul says, heaven forbid that we should do such a thing, that we just willy-nilly continue in a life of sin. Now, does this mean that you are never going to sin again because you are justified by Christ, because you have the Word of God, because you have the Holy Spirit of God? The answer is no. Because you are not yet made complete until the work that he has begun in you is completed in Philippians chapter 1. And so, even though we do those things, we still attempt not to sin because we don't want to grieve God. 
because we love God, because we have the Word of God, because we have the Spirit of God, because He justified us by His death, burial, and resurrection, and we don't want to put more on top of that that He paid for at the cross. Why would we want to add to our sin that He's already paid for? And yes, He has already paid for it, but that doesn't mean that we should just add to it just because it's already paid for. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, why would we continue in that? Why would we, you know, if, if, if you've already been pulled out of the, the mud and you've been pulled, made clean, why would you jump back in and say, nope, I like my sickness. I like my death. I, I like my, my troubles and my sorrow. I like my shame. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? So those are some of the reasons that the Christian should not sin. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays. Mm -hmm.